podcast world. This is Caribbean Power Lunch featuring Black-owned businesses. I'm your host, Kevin Valley, And tonight we have not one, but two guest hosts. Your friend, Ms. Zara Aline. Hi. And your old friend, Ms. Camila Evans. Hi. Our guest tonight, good friend of mine, Mr. Irvin Davis. Yes, yes. Good night, everybody. From Davis Equal Life. Davis, you are a Jamaican living in Trinidad. Tell us that story. Yes, I'm a Jamaican living in Trinidad because, as I was telling my father some couple of days ago, that I, I followed Frogtail, meaning I, <laughs> I, I fell in love with a with a Trinidadian woman whilst on campus in Mona, and I um followed Frogtail, <laughs> so I'm here. So that that's the reason why I came to Trinidad to be because I, you know, because of love interest. Okay, okay. But now you're in the sustainable energy space. So what is your background like? What did you study in school? How did you get into this industry? Well, I actually in school never did anything related to or remotely close to anything to what I'm doing now. When I entered university, I wanted to be a, a history professor. So my, my first degree is actually in history and some human resource management. But in the middle of the degree, I don't know, I got bored, I got uninterested. I started to pursue something else, which was, which was, I wanted to be a chef. Oh, I thought you were going to say frog tail. No, <laughs> no, I, I didn't. The, the, the frog tail was part and, and, and was part of the course, really. Mm. But I, I wanted to be a chef and I, I ended up whilst on campus, working on campus because how it works with my family was that you got a stipend at the end of the month and it's bare minimum. Your family gives you a stipend? Yeah, man. You, you get a stipend. My father gave me a stipend at the end of the month. And what would happen is that you, you cover your beer minimum. But if you have girlfriend and you need to put, you get car, but no access to gas. So you, you have to buy gas to put in car and you have girlfriend, you're going on date, you're doing things. You need extra money. So, you know, you need it to, if, if you depend on the stipend, you don't go anywhere. So I, I started to moonlight as a, as a cook at one of the restaurants on campus. Okay. And that expanded into the Hilton Kingston. And that further expanded to, on weekends, I used to go to, you know, those places that keep wedding, weddings. Mm -hmm. I used to work at some of those places. So, so what would happen is that whilst doing my degree, I would, as I said, moonlight cooking in various locations to nice. supplement my stipend. Oh. We didn't bring any samples. <laughs> no, no, no. Next time, next time, next time. Okay, next time. okay. So you still haven't told me what inspired you to get into. What What happened when I left university is that I got a job on a cruise line as a cook. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I I wanted to leave home, but I didn't want to pay any rent. So <laughs> getting a job on a cruise line made sense for me because you know I get a chance to leave home, I get a chance to be a cook. So I got a job on a cruise line and. In Europe, all over the place, you're seeing wind farms, you're seeing all kind of energy-related stuff. So that was part of my motivation, along with the fact that I grew up kind of in, in rural Jamaica. And I had a, an, an adopted brother who was a, a scientist. So I kind of lived on a farm initially. And on the farm, we had a biogas plant. And he basically 
utilize all the dung from the pigs, the chickens, all the animals to create gas for us to cook on wow. the plant, on the in, in home. And then by extension, what he used to do is that he used to, let's say a Bermudez would have steel biscuits. He would get those biscuits. He would then have me and some others crush those things and feed the pigs and mix it with molasses and all kind of things. So, so by extension, that was repurposing. So when I look back at it, I would say that I was always involved, just never really knew exactly the names and what it was. But so, you know, by extension, that's really what I think. And then when I went on the cruise line, seeing all of that happening, and I said that, you know, we're in the Caribbean. Why not do something along this line? Okay. So, so while on this cruise line, were you with this, with this, uh, this Trinidad? Yeah, man, yeah, man. We were constantly, so we would have... We would have we would have started dating. I think she came in at two thousand and two, and we started dating the same year, or the the latter part. Yeah, she mm. came in, and basically we started dating that time. And we would have been together for the entire period of university. Okay. Um, so when I left, when she left and came back here, I got the job on the cruise line. We still maintained the relationship, and then whilst on the ship, she tell me that. Absence make you forget. So, <laughs> I, I thought it was it made your, your heart fonder, but with her, she said it make you forget. So I need to decide what I'm doing. <laughs> so, but I wasn't enjoying the cruise ship life after a while. You know, it, it was exciting when you you woke up every day in a different country. You know, you but you work every single day for eight months. It was really good from an experience standpoint. But after a while, doing a history degree, you felt like you were in slavery. Because okay. it's every single day, nine to... There's no day off. You get three times in between and you can do stuff, but having to go to work every day was a... What year was this? This was in 2006. I, I finished university in 2000, 2005, right. um, May. And on, in August 2005, I got a job on the cruise line and then I stayed for a contract. A contract is eight months and I stayed for a full contract and, a, and, and half of a contract. Then I resigned and came here. The latter part, I think it's November the 8th, 2006, which was a Wednesday. Oh, oh. wow. November 8th is my birthday, actually. That's nice, man. That's, That's interesting. Start <laughs> yeah, so... so, so la the 8th of November last year, last month, was made 11 years since I've been here. So when you came here, did you know what you were going to do? No, no, actually, no, you know, I, I came here like everybody else. I am, um, because I came here, again, my purpose was for a fractal. Right. Yeah, so, following well. Yeah, so what my first job when I came here, I worked in doing stuff that I... I was doing so I, I think I got a job with Boss Burgers as their quality control manager. I probably know you from there because I used to go Boss Burgers all the time. Well, which branch? Which branch? Which I branch? would go on Park Street. You're probably in the east. No, I actually was at Park Street for a while and then I used to run the branch in St. James. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I was a manager for the branch in St. James. I left that job because the manager felt that the owner of the business felt like he was paying me too much. But coming from the east, and you know, when you when you work in these establishments, what happens is that you have to do everything. So I felt like at the time he was underpaying me, but then he felt he was paying me too much if you compare it to what he was paying others. 
and he said he was reducing my salary, so I left. I then got a job with Algico at the time, who's now Pan American Life, mm-hmm. as an insurance agent, and that that was shortly. <laughs> <laughs> I then started using what seemed to have been my talent, which was the gift of gab. It may not seem now, but yeah, that, at the time that was good man. <laughs> that, that was it then. So I started selling cars. What it was was that we used to sell cars for lifestyle motors right on the highway with a guy called Stanley. That was good until I left in 2009. I remember 2009 because I got married in 2008, went on the honeymoon in 2009. I remember it because Fionn had heavy team up at the time. <laughs> and we're using that to your advantage. No, 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 no. It was. I remember it because it because I didn't I didn't spend carnival here. We went to Jamaica, and when I came back, I haven't worked for anybody per se since two thousand and nine. Okay. So since two thousand and nine, I've been self-employed and employing. So two thousand and nine is when you founded Davis. Yeah. Right? So we started in two thousand and nine. Actually, we registered the company as a. It's called Doom Builders. So the vision behind our business is really to be able to build eco-communities. Communities? Yeah. So what we wanted to do was to build eco-communities, communities that are fully self-sufficient, that's fully off the grid, and communities that would, could withstand hurricanes. Right. Like, for instance, you'd have seen in Dominica, for instance, where entire communities are just gone. The country. That was horrible. Yeah. So we wanted to do, and so the company's name was Doom Builders. And the intention was to source international funding and, you know, launch and develop it along that line. We actually had a, a MOU with E-Tech at the time. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We had a, a MOU with E-Tech and the MOU really was to, for them to facilitate out of Tamina. And I'll come back to Tamina because we look like we're ready to be at Tamina. So the MOU was to, to facilitate us being at Tamina, but... In 2010, when the government changed, I met with the, at the time it, it was the Minister of Industry at the time. I think it was Stephen Cady's. Okay, Minister of Trade. Yes, Minister of Trade, because ETEC fell under his purview. Okay. So both myself and the Business Development Manager and the VP of ETEC met with him. Actually, his first question, funny enough, was what? Yeah, I told him, you know, my training wife here. Because she, she was in the midst. She she was part of the business at time at the time. Oh, okay. Yeah. What role did she play in the business? You know, like how most startup is friends and family. So she's a director, she's involved. Her background was really in in graphic design and oh, nice. um, so she was she designed our logo and so she was very very involved at the that's time that's good that's good and then she actually subsequently went off to do a interior design degree which was again in keeping with what we wanted to do for eco buildings so what's the vision for davis eco life what are you trying um, to accomplish interestingly the vision has always been to do eco related developments and communities we had to pause that for a while and we kind of took the low-hanging fruit in the industry so the low-hanging fruit is the industry is led lights so when we had challenges in terms of raising capital and moving forward and developing the business from a solar standpoint in Trinidad and Tobago because half of the problem is that there's no policy that supports a business like ours we eventually touched on the low-hanging fruit so the low-hanging fruit is lighting 
know LED lighting. So what we do is we started to market and promote that. In fact, we started to market and promote that with government agencies. And a business partner, he's an engineer, so we partnered with himself and a company out of Jamaica. We had a, a spot in Marvel. At the time, we had a staff and we were focused on you know, targeting the newspapers in terms of when bids were to be submitted, when UD caught, you know, used to trick all over the place looking for work and not a dollar. We earned, we, we made nothing. So what we did that we, we, as we would say in Jamaica, we wheel and come again. And we, we said, great, we're going to focus on the private sector. So we, we started to focus on the private sector and then we, our first job in terms of Anything solar LED related was with the THA. We did a fully powered solar security system for them in Scarborough. Even before that, or first, what really motivated us that we got something out of St. Vincent, which is Vinlec. They, they bought some pilot lights for a street lighting project. So, so I said to myself, boy, if we can stay here and sell products to Vinlec, something can happen. So that kind of gave me the motivation to continue. Because the building aspect of it didn't work, we rebranded in 2012 and we called the company Davis Eco Life. Nice so, name. Yeah, because we, we, felt, we felt like it kind of more is a lifestyle. It's, a, it's not only about a particular product, it's, it's a lifestyle, it's, it's, you know, it's a way of living. So we said, Let, let's do that. And we started promoting that. And our first client locally then was Nestle Trinidad. How did you get a client like that? that but, well, that, yeah, that was a pretty great client, but it was a pretty challenging client to get because, you know, you face all kinds of things, some good, some bad. We waited about, after submitting on site visits, and I still have some shoes at the time because I was on foot patrol, um, <laughs> that, <laughs> that we walked down and those have holes in them where it took us about three months to get onto the system. These corporate clients is that you have to be on the system for you then to be considered. About two weeks after we got on, we got the job to do the warehouse, which was a international warehouse and their chocolate room. Because I think back in the day, they had a lot of chocolate was a big part of their business. Uh -huh. I, I didn't know that, but it seemed to have been the case. So we got that to do. The, the value of that was about $140,000. TT? Yes. That's about 20000 US? Yeah. But the funny thing about that is that they don't give a deposit. So you can imagine you get your first contract. You don't know how you're going to fund the contract. And, you know, you need to do this job to make an impression. So that in itself was a challenge. So even after getting the job, you need to find money to do the job. Friends and associates jump in and we were able to to do the job and um, subsequently we got additional jobs out of Nestle so we were there for a while back in those days when you just started not a lot of people were inclined you know LEDs was a new thing it was very expensive you had to sell it on the on the long-term basis where it lower your operational costs the maintenance aspect of it the corporate social responsibility aspect of it you know it's like you're, you're seasoning your chicken and you don't cook it one time, you leave it for marinade, and you go back a little while. It is best if you go back, let's say, next day. And right. in these cases, three months. 
but, um, <laughs> but um, that's how it used to be. That's not the case now. It's it's an easier sell. Lots more companies are more inclined, but particularly the international companies are more inclined. The international companies? Yeah, man, the, the, the companies that are... International. Yeah, they, they are more inclined. They, they seem to have a, a, a health and safety policy that's, that's very robust, and B, they seem to take complaints from their staff in terms of just general... Because lighting improves your production. How does lighting improve your well, production? Well, let, let, let's look at it like this. If it is that you're in an environment that you feel good about yourself, you're excited to be at work, mm-hmm. your production levels would be higher. If it is that you, you're at work and you're, oh God, you're feeling drained, then you're not going to produce as much. So, you know, lighting improves the way how you feel, the way how your production is. So it actually changes the quality of the workspace. Yes, mm-hmm. it changes the quality of the workspace. Mm-hmm. As a result. So, so these companies, for them, Remember, the rest of the world have been going this way before Trinidad and Tobago because in Trinidad and Tobago, because of the cost of of energy here, which is the cheapest in the Western Hemisphere, there's no real motivation to go to renewables or energy efficiency. But for international companies, they... They understood this. Right, it's already part of their... Yeah, exactly. exactly, What they're doing everywhere else. So then, when you decided to start a renewable energy company in Trinidad, Mm -hmm. people say that you were mad? You know, we're very skeptical because, firstly, we had to overcome several challenges because Mm -hmm. here you're selling something. I I remember I had a meeting with a gentleman and he said to me, I don't remember what we're trying to get the funding for at the time. And he said, well... Trinidad and Tobago is, and his words exactly, is, is an oil and gas country. Mm-hmm. We don't have a need for all of this renewable energy and all the things that you're trying to promote. And the kind of money you're looking for, somebody else can, your friends and family can, can provide that. It really was an uphill climb, mm-hmm. really and truly, because at the time, back in 2012, 2010, you know, people weren't very interested. And at the time, oil and gas was king, and you know, the country is making money from what they know how to make money from. Right. So people are less inclined to want to go that way. But some companies took a chance with us. Okay. What were some of the challenges you had as a, a Jamaican in Trinidad dealing with regulators <laughs> and, you know, um, getting your stuff off of the ports and all those? What were, what were some of those challenges that probably would lend some value to someone else? Yeah. The main problem I, f- I face is the fact that there's no policy that regulates this particular industry. In fact, I don't even know if it's seen. They talk about, okay, there is escrow companies and there's this whoever's supposed to oversee and you get 150% wear and tear allowance and all of that, all of that nice stuff. But if you see anybody who has gotten that, I want to meet them. <laughs> I think we're definitely in a nascent stage of renewable energy in Trinidad. But I mean, there's definitely movement taking place. I know there's the Green Fund, where the government has allocated a certain budget to green projects, to green initiatives. Well, yes. Yeah. So, so there's a Green Fund. But even the Green Fund, it's funny. It's funny you mentioned the Green Fund. The Green Fund is really from corporations. They make a contribution towards the Green Fund. And for a while, it has been sitting dormant. So the, the, green, the green Fund is really there for access for, for individuals who have community-based projects and, you know, along the line of energy efficiency and, but, but community-related stuff are, are supposed to be undertaking projects. But 
it's still very difficult to access these these funds. The, the fact that you have a policy that you really, I'll give you an example. In other parts of the region, if you import LED and solar related products, it's duty free, tax free, because they would have changed their, their customs regulations to support this. In Trinidad and Tobago, it is not. Or it depends, really. It depends on the officer that you meet. It may be or it may not be. Depends so, on the officer that you meet. Yeah, it depends because there's a policy, but the policy is not implemented. It hasn't been ratified properly. So for the last seven years, you have had a policy that that has just been meandering, so to speak. So nobody really knows, really. You know, somebody say, well, you know, the government did it, but they never, they never send anything to us. You know, so it, it's just there. So we still pay duty on, on LEDs. You still pay duty on solar-related products. So for me, it is a huge challenge because Trinidad and Tobago is starting at, at the back of the race in terms of energy efficiency because the policy that we have locally is developed from taking bits and pieces from other policies regionally. Mm -hmm. But even then, you haven't been able to implement anything in the policy. So for me, that's a major, major challenge. But we, we have figured ways to work with and around it. <laughs> <laughs> so does this include solar panels as well? Because I remember I did my undergrad in Jamaica, so I spent a few years in Jamaica. Mm -hmm. And solar panels are rampant across there. Yes, yes. In fact, recently I saw a company in Jamaica that was at an IPO out. They're raising significant capital in the market in order to expand their business in terms of being able to deliver solar and energy efficient products to the Jamaican market. So as I'm saying, in, in these places, the cost of energy, when you're talking about a situation where Trinidad and Tobago pays about nine cents TT per kilowatt hours, and the rest of the region pay anywhere between 26 cents, 35 cents, 40 cents US per kilowatt hours. Then you see where the motivation is for this. And from an investment standpoint, people are going to be more inclined to want to go that way because it's way more attractive. Where we're hearing that next year, the cost of energy will change. I'm actually looking forward to that. I think the last time it had changed was in 2006 or something like that, or 2007, where it, it hadn't changed for about 16 years prior to that. So I think now, given the varying deficits from a, a subsidy standpoint and the present state of the economy, then I, I think really and truly, they have no other choice but to raise. So I'm, I'm actually looking forward to that because some policy would have to change and then the country would be more inclined to want to go that way because it affects you see from as long as it affects your pocket then people are going to be more inclined to want to make a, a switch from household to commercial clients you know just a general man of the street so then how come you have a transition to the jamaica market which seems to be a lot more viable than here well again we go back to fructose um, <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, yeah, yeah. No, but, but no, what, what we found out, so we did some work in Jamaica. So we have done work in, so as I said, one of our first clients was being like out of St. Vincent. We have done some work in Jamaica, so we would have supplied and installed solar systems in Jamaica. I think it was a chicken farm and a house The problem with that is that you need to be underground. Jamaica is a very competitive market. 
So if you haven't established yourself somewhere else and you want to go there and be competing with them who are established there and are known and are in your face, then it's not going to work out. And that applies in many industries. Yeah, and that's a, that applies across the board. You need to be strong where you are, and then you say, okay, great, let, let's expand. We have embarked on our expansion, and, but our process has always been incremental. So we are at the point where we, we are expanding. And move our company from just known within a particular circle to a more national, regional entity. I think at this time, podcast will believe that you know what you're talking about. You're an expert in this field. Well, I, I was a, initially, I was an OGT, but... Um, <laughs> on the job training. But, but, oh, yeah, no. Experience. Experience. All the experience and mistakes. Mm-hmm. He made mistakes. That's kind of guided us and, and we are more confident in what we want to do and what we're doing and where we envision and see the business going. So you've been able to build a, a nice, strong clientele for yourself. You've been able to get a sole distributor to distribute your products. You've been able to get one of the largest conglomerates, the largest conglomerate in the Caribbean to be a customer of your product across its companies. You've been able to get Kai Brewery. You've been able to get Coca-Cola, mm-hmm. Angostura, mm-hmm. the rum company of Trinidad and Tobago. <laughs> yes. We love you, Angostura. <laughs> <laughs> You've been able to get Guardian Media, probably the biggest newspaper outlet in Trinidad. You've been able to get Republic Bank, the largest yes. bank. You've been able to get Tobago Plantations, which is the is one of the larger hotel chains in Tobago. One of the largest tourist areas of Tobago, at least. Mm-hmm. How do you plan to go about getting future clients? And how do you plan to even scale this even further? And how do you plan to build awareness? Because as you rightfully said, renewable energy in Trinidad is something like a afterthought. How do you try to bring it to the forefront of people's minds? All right, great. Based on the fact that we rebranded in 2012, and in any business, after five years, you need to assess where you are and where you're going. So what we did in the latter part of 2016 is that we said, okay, great. Because how our business works so far is that our clients recommend us to other clients. So it's your Yeah. And our business is a repeat business. So when we're with a company, we don't lead. You have to pry us out. We're not going. We're not. We're not going anywhere. So most of our clients have been three, four, five years. Some guys from Autolat Jack this year did some market research on us and on the industry locally, and found out that in 2015 we supply the largest numbers of LED-related products in the country, and that's partly due because we got a lot of. 2015 we got we got Coca-Cola as a client. 2015, we got to do the entire new plan for car glassworks. So we supplied and installed all the lighting for their glassworks, their new plant. Unfortunately, when the fire broke out in their, their older plant mm-hmm. recently, we got to do that also. Okay. So it's repeat business. Right. So what we said to ourselves is that, okay, we need to be able to step out of that kind of exclusive circle and to be a more national, regional, because our vision has always been to be a regional company. So what we said is that we needed to do something that would change the game. We went back to our roots, which is doing eco-development, eco-communities. Mm-hmm. And we built something in, along with well, approval from our partners, the Antimacal Group, something called an EcoPod. So the EcoPod is a building that we have dubbed is fully energy efficient and self-sustaining. So this building is really our... F- segue really into the national slash regional market 
And then we have even developed that into something that we call a super pod. So what we're going to do is that we're going to launch the EcoPod. We involve all our clientele. Mm -hmm. We'll have the media, we'll have radio programs being broadcast from the EcoPod. We'll have TV programs that are powered by renewable energy. So something different, you know, being able to, for potential clients and individuals, school children to interact, be familiar with, you know, let us be a household name. That's how we, we envision how we make our next What's the difference between a superpod and an ecopod? Just bigger. <laughs> so the superpod is, is bigger? Yeah. We have had strong industrial partners out of China. You know, China is the world's factory. You could get whatever you want out of China, just depending on who you deal with and what is it exactly that you want. So if you want... So what we have done, given the fact that we are... Our business prides itself on repeat business. So we want our products to be as reliable as possible. Cost-effective and reliable. It's, it's kind of hard to do, but we've, we've managed to do that. The best in, in terms of quality, in terms of components, we choose and then we make a product that's exclusively ours. So you may see a product that looks similar, but if you break it down, then the components are different. So it has that eco-life. Yeah, it has that eco-life. Now you have a lot of local players in the industry, but they distribute products for other companies. We don't do that. So you guys make your own stuff? Yeah, we make our own stuff. And so with that experience, the intention is that we want to be able to assemble these products locally. So that would be done from the super part. And the super part would be, again, a fully off-the-grid production assembling point for LED products. Tell me something, Vivian. I want to construct a four-tonnels complex. Mm -hmm. How long would it take for me to have that fitted as a super pod versus the year to 18 months that a, a normal general contractor would take to build my house? All right, great. We could get that to you within two months. Seriously? So that's uh, about 800 square feet, fully off the grid. When we are finished with it, you move it. In fact, we could even outfit it for you. Uh, EcoPod offers you energy efficient lighting, full 10 kilowatt or 7 kilowatt system to power it. AC is included in the pod, a clean, modern finish. And also, it's basically equipped. So, all you need to do is to roll up with your suitcase. Oh, you're, you're taking out your, your checkbook, sir. That's what I'm about to fire my contractor. <laughs> yeah. So, within two months, we can deliver that to you. For a superstructure, it will take about four months, four to five months. What we offer you is a, a kind of turnkey solution. So, cost? Well, an EcoPod now roughly is about 800 square foot. If it's commercial, meaning that you're using it for office space or along that line, then it's about 600,000 TT. Yeah, TT. So less than 100,000 US. Yes. If it's for a home, which is a two-bedroom home, we're talking about 680,000 dollars. And these can be constructed anywhere? Yeah, great. All you need is land. So you have a piece of land anywhere, we come and we, we sign on the dotted line and we start. Podcast well, this is almost too good to be true. Yes. <laughs> During the carnival season or just a little bit after, we will launch that officially. Just remember the uh, people they spoke to early. So. <laughs> 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 but how sustainable, how sustainable structures? The structures are pretty sustainable because already they have been approved by HDC. 
and yeah. and also too that the materials that we use are sustainable and also fire retardant god forbid it will burn but slowly so okay. hopefully the fire truck would be there in time so the reason the whole country is not gravitating towards this it's just because they don't know <laughs> yeah yeah well we haven't we haven't launched it officially yet. So the pod is built, but we haven't launched it officially yet because we haven't had a key component, which is the solar system on the island. Is it? You know, so we didn't want to launch it. And then when you come, you see it being run conventionally. You know, we don't want to misrepresent what it is that we're offering today to the public. Excellent. Let's talk next level. I want you to assume you get a significant investment. Mm-hmm. So we're recording this in December. Let's assume you get a significant investment January 2nd, because January 1st, you're busy drinking. (laughs) What are you going to do with that investment? How are the company going to look by December? And how is it going to look maybe three, five years from now? By mid-year, we should be a household name in Trinidad. We should be in your face. If you think anything renewable, if you think anything solar, if you think anything energy efficiency, the first thing that comes to your mind should be Davis Ecolife. So that's the intention. We're going to be as the Americans normally like to say when they enter some sort of battle, is the shock and awe. We open your face, you but also to educating the public. So we want to engage schools, we want to engage businesses, you know, want to engage our present clients because a lot of our clients have a large staff, and that staff translates into potential clients. The education yes. part is the hardest part. That's probably the most expensive part of the marketing budget. You only have to educate a consumer about your product and then get them aware of your product and then get them to actually be a customer. You know, I think that might be the opposite. Well, yes. And as I would have mentioned before, a couple of years ago, it was harder. So it would have taken about three to four months to actually first to secure, to win over a client. Now it's, it's really a couple of weeks, could be within the same day. The client know they're more aware and they are more inclined to want to go that way. Let's say, for instance, you decide that you're going to switch your home to LEDs, right? LEDs is a low-hanging fruit in the industry. If, for instance, you switch your entire home to LEDs, you would be saving at the end of that month between 20 to 30% on your utility bill. Okay. So when you start to have that discussion with your client, and to you know, fortunately, within your tax, you are able to write off some of that cost when you file your income tax. That's even more saving. Yeah, so that's even more saving. So it, it's not as hard as it was a couple of years ago. And what the EcoPod is really supposed to be doing is that you're now able to touch and feel. You're now able to walk into a space that looks different. And when you go into the space, everything there is powered by renewable energy. So you're going to ask me how the solar works. Can it power your AC? Can it power your fridge? Everything inside the pod is going to be powered by renewable energy. And our system is a very interactive system too. It's an all-in-one system. So battery, inverter, charge controller, everything is in one cabinet. And what it does is that on the system, you could actually see the charge levels of the system, how it's being charged, what's going on. In fact, you could even control it from on your phone. Really? There's an app? Yeah, there's an app. So it's, it's, a an smart, app it's a smart, so it's a smart system. Mm, so nice. what we're doing is that we're incorporating the varying technologies out there to, to make sure that it's it's an easier sell to the clients. So you're moving from the commercial space where you are now with the LED lights mm-hmm. into 
hopefully what residential and commercial space in terms of actual space with pods yes as it is now we offer you two options if for instance you want to do a pop-up business if you want to do a pop-up restaurant if you want to Anywhere. So anywhere you feel like you want to do a business, right. you're supply we could do that right. for you within two months. Okay. And that's commercially. For instance, again, too, we have a target market for the EcoPods from a residential standpoint where if it is that you have a piece of land in a remote location where it would have been difficult in normal circumstances to get Tech there, then the pod comes with its own power source. So you could have that pod there. It now provides you with the option where you could generate foreign exchange, Airbnb, tourism-related activity, especially now in a space where US dollar is a major issue. We want to be able to empower regular citizens, regular people to be able to generate their own currency. That's interesting. That's an interesting solution to that particular problem. Yes, it is. What do you see as being your greatest challenge? of getting that level. So there's the education of the client, there's the awareness, etc. Is that the biggest obstacle? Is policy the biggest obstacle? How are you gonna make that leap? Because is the vision that you start to see EcoPods everywhere? That instead of buying a house, you buy an EcoPod? Yes. <laughs> I'm not categorically yes <laughs> no no but really and truly it can be a mix so even if you want to go with your traditional home we could supply with the energy to power that home right so it's also to figure out how to incorporate more renewable energy, energy yes. into a yes. sustainable way of living yeah it's, it's about changing your lifestyle it's okay. about being more conscious about your environment because global warming is real you know it's, it's not a myth and more than likely we in the region are the ones that are going to be affected by it most small and developing states yes yeah, yes so we think that we're doing our part but we, we also have the vision where we would like to be able to be a, a, a energy provider we want to be able to say to one of our major clients that okay great we will supply throughout the day 50 percent of the energy that you use through the days where all the AC, all the lots of activities in your building. Mm-hmm. So we would like to be able to do that. But then there needs to be policy that supports that. Presently, that doesn't exist. Right. You know, net metering, grid tie, all of that needs to be regulated properly so that, let's say, for instance, you buy an EcoPod from us. The EcoPod comes with 10 kilowatts of power, and in some cases, seven. You rarely use five. If you have a policy around renewable energy, you know as a owner of an EcoPod, you could tie that into your national grid. Right. And you sell get and grid. sell it back to and that's happening yeah. regionally. Yeah, that's that's that happening works. in other jurisdictions. So so you now have the ability to instead of TNTech selling you a bill, they send you a check. Right. <laughs> and, that sounds, and that sounds fantastic. But so what gets us there? So how do we close that gap? And then are there regional players who are doing it correctly, who you can look to? For that yes, example? yes. As I would have mentioned to you before, too, is that the policy, because Trinidad and Tobago kind of, you know, the oil and gas is, is a mainstay. And it's funny, too, because when we started, the gas aspect of it, there was a shortfall of about 15%. And presently, the shortfall is about 20%, so it's growing. And how we envision it is that really and truly what you should be doing is use more renewable energy and energy efficiency related. Do more of that. And then use the gas to generate the heavy industry 
and sell those products where you could earn foreign exchange. So if you develop a policy that's strong, that supports renewable energy, you'll have regular householders who don't need TN Tech. You need to be able to empower householders to generate their own power, empower them to be more energy efficient. That comes with awareness, that comes with education. But I think from a policy standpoint, the government needs to play a stronger role in terms of regulating that industry. I've seen it as something that's important and something that we have been falling behind in and, and we need to step up. That would be, of course, in partnership with like the larger private sector players who are seeing the impact on their own bottom line. Yes, they are. They are. I want to take a step back, actually. We've gotten in deep into the technical side of what Davis Ecolife does. <laughs> but I want to take a step back because this podcast also talks a lot about entrepreneurship and, and how people become this force that starts a business. So although we make it seem like this was just, you know, something you came up with one day, <laughs> how did it go from being an idea you had in your mind to being an actual company that has clients, that's building a reputation, that's scaling? How does that happen? Where's, what's the process? I have about five pairs of shoes that tells that story. <laughs> <laughs> they have holes in them, them walk down, them, yeah. It's a lot of legwork, a lot of times when you feel like you want to give up, you know, a lot of, as we'd say in Jamaica, a lot of hungry days, <laughs> but right. it's believing in a, in something that you strongly in something that you, you feel can work and you know can work and you just continue. And what made you think it would work? You're starting off in a challenging environment. Yes. I doing a challenging field. <laughs> What makes you think, you know what I want to do? I'm a history major and I've just been, you know, being a chef for these many years. You know what I want to do? I want to open up a renewable energy industry in a country which is run on oil and gas. What makes you take that leap? You know, my life has been one where I've always been faced with challenges. Okay. And I felt that this particular area that we could make a difference. And I think to some respect we have already and I do think that we do have a lot more to make. As I said to you, in one of the years, we were the leading importer of LEDs in the country. So we, we're not uh, a regular electrical company that we now see this as part of our business model. We started out exclusively doing efficiency and renewable energy related activities. So we faced the challenges. We were able to overcome some of them. Some of them we, we, we got defeated by, but we overcame enough of them to be able to survive and, and and also too a large part of this is the clients you know we were able to interact with clients that saw the need for the service that we were offering we were able to offer them a product and also offer them a service that stood the time as i would have said to you i, I worked on a cruise line so but really and truly i have my background i kind of feel i worked in the tourism industry so my thing is service which is why repeat business is a major aspect of what we do. Clients recommend us to other clients. So when we deal with a client, when we do business with a client, client must be happy, we must be happy. If it is that they have a problem, they need to call us. Just like how if you have a ghost in your house, you call a Ghostbusters. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> do that all the time. <laughs> yeah, you call Davis Ecolite. I remember one of the larger ones, when we're doing, for instance, the carb glasswork building, the CEOs or the, the directors of the group, 
Because we beat out, for instance, we, we were able to win these jobs over, let's say, their own internal electrical companies. So when that happened, they said, okay, who are these guys? You know, Davis Ecolife, who is he? We don't know them. But when we sent in the recommendations, the, the customer references, and they call the customers, they call us after, Mr. Davis, could you come in? <laughs> you know, so, so I, I think that in itself speaks for itself. We are a client-oriented company. And your clients then build your reputation. Yeah, is, is our clients we, yeah, is our clients who, who support us and we have to give thanks to them because if, if it wasn't for them, we, would, we, we, we wouldn't dare. <laughs> <laughs> what would you consider to be your, or who or what would you consider to be your greatest inspiration in what you do? What makes you get up out of bed in the morning? We get a sense of joy from being able to, let, let us, for instance, we have a client who they have a major audit coming up tomorrow. And when we go in and do what we need to do, they pass that audit with flying colors. And they call us back and say, Mr. Davis, thank you, sir. That's a sense of pride, of joy. Of it. it tells us that, look, we made a difference. So all those things, all those things come. And we kind of believe that we're still flying that flag of efficiency and renewable energy. I wouldn't say exclusive because you have other players, but we are one of the players in that industry that would make a difference. Inevitably, we will. Would you consider yourself a game changer? I think to a certain extent, yes. The guys from Orthologic Jack who did that marketing research thing on us, I think they referred to us as... First movers. Yeah, they, they referred to us as pioneers. As a history guy, I'm, I'm excited about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we are, whatever you want to say, we were part of it. Trailblazer. Yeah. In terms of practical tips for our listeners out there, this is kind of twofold. So our listeners out there who want to reduce their carbon footprint and be more energy efficient in how they operate. I think we would have mentioned before low-hanging fruits. But even before we get to low-hanging fruit, is awareness. Is education is being able to know that okay great if you don't need a light turn it off and we offer you lights that are sensor you leave the room and the light automatically goes off but the low-hanging food really and truly a simple switch from your 100 watt fixtures your 23 watt fixtures to a 7 and a 12 watt fixture would mean that you save significantly because leds use 60 to 80 percent less energy than your conventional fixtures so if it is that you are a residential and even commercial clients, the only thing with commercial is that a lot of their energy usage comes from the AC aspect of their operations. So again, you're going to use sensors, you're going to use smart system, you're going to use building control systems that would be able to manage all of that. But from a regular householder, a simple switch. Even before you make the switch, just even remember it. But if you can't remember, we will give you motion activated lights. So you, so those lights, you're not there, they're, they're off. All those podcasts will find you. So we're located in Grand Bazaar at the moment, which is where the EcoPod is located. So that's our base for now until that later part, we should move to our EcoPod or SuperPod, which would be our assembly line operation for energy efficiency and renewable energy products. Okay. What about your listeners from outside of Trinidad? Oh, great. So they could check out our website davisecolive.com you could send us an email directly there we have a facebook page that you could contact us the same way davisecolive on facebook.com 
Cup. And also a regular phone call, 325-6424. You could get us. <laughs> all right, all right. Yeah. So yeah. we might have some ladies calling you who may not really want any renewable energy. <laughs> or renewable energy. It's okay. <laughs> you know, the gift of God, they eventually purchase some lights. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's good. Okay, great. So if I am... Um, a young graduate coming out of one of these alternative energy programs. Mm-hmm. There's some new programs that as a lock chat in Trinidad and also in regionally for alternative energy engineering, etc. What would you say? Do I have to leave the region to get into this business or are there opportunities for me here? Great. So the, the region for me is is a emerging market. There's so much to do. The region spends as much as two billion US dollars and energy-related generation on, on oil and gas and energy-related activity. The fact is we, we still need a lot of conversion. There are a lot of countries, a lot of places that you still need to do. You switch over. So there are several avenues for you to find opportunities. Not only find, but create your own. So the opportunities are there. You just need to embrace, be open-minded, work with established companies. But there are several opportunities that you could explore. Great. There you have it, Podcast World. Thank you very much to Mr. Irvin Davis, Mr. Davis Equal Life. Great. It was a pleasure. I really appreciate it. Sarah, Camila, thank you very much, ladies. Thank you. Pleasure. Pleasure. Podcast World, we are out. Thank you.